Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, today's message. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just uh, thank you for this morning, Lord. I just pray over this word, Lord, that it will be received, Lord God, with open hearts, Lord God, with, your, with your, just your divine appointment, Lord, in to, for it to speak to specific areas of our lives, Lord. It's a hard word, but let us receive it well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Jamie Taylor, Pastor David's up in Richmond. But um, this morning, it's, it's really, it's pretty amazing what God's doing because None of this was orchestrated or planned. So I heard that there was all kinds of cool things that went on at the women's ministry about healing, right? About healing and deliverance and being set free and all these good things, right? And, and so then the set that Andrea put together was just, man, that was incredible. And now we're talking about victory in Christ, being raised with Christ, right? And now I'm going to tackle why God doesn't always heal, Whoa. You ever ask yourself that question? You know, this is one of the most controversial topics in Christendom. Because we know what the Word of God says, but we don't always experience that healing. Or maybe some loved ones that we have, you know, that we're praying for, haven't received the healing that we know is is there, right? Right? And it's kind of interesting, in the midst of all of this, there's usually somebody that's out there that gives us their theological perspective on why we haven't been healed. Isn't isn't that true? Have you ever found that? So this morning, I've got to make some disclaimers before we we get started. I'm just going to go through some reasons in the Bible that we see that people got healed for certain reasons, okay? And we can deduce from those reasons that they were healed that that's an issue that we we face. There's reasons that maybe um, we haven't been healed. I'm not saying that, oh yeah, he's got sin in his life. That's why he's not healed. No. That's not our job, is it? That's the Holy Spirit's job. I'm just going to point out some things that are in the Bible I am not saying by any means this is your circumstance. I'm saying that it's in the Bible, okay? Don't shoot Pastor Jamie halfway through the message, all right? Don't get up and leave until I'm done. Deal? All right. That's my disclaimer. All right. Most controversial topic in Christendom. All right, so let's start out. We're going to look at Matthew Chapter 9, verses 1 through 8 to get started. All right? So you can turn there in your Bibles. And I did. My wife said, make sure you take your glasses. Dang. Darn, I thought I had them. (laughs) No, that's all right. Yours are too strong, Caroline. That's all right. Look, you can make me wear, like, pink glasses up here. Yep. I, I would have a man card if I put these on them. All right. 
So let's get started here. Get into, getting into the boat. Somebody said, wear them, wear them. Oh. Oh, They're a little strong. Getting into the boat, Jesus crossed over the sea and came to his own city. And they brought to him a paralytic laying on a bed. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son. What's the next thing he said? Your sins are forgiven. Interesting. See, there's, there's some instance here. We're going to go through this whole section of Scripture. And Jesus points out something that there's implied here that the reason that this guy was paralyzed as a paralytic was because there was an, a sin in his life that he had not dealt with. Okay? So let's, let's keep reading. The paralytic laying on the bed. See, okay. And some of the scribes said to themselves, this fellow blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or say, get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said, or then he said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your bed and go home. And he got up and went home. But when the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and glorified God who had given such authority to men. See, in this, in this section of scripture, it talks about two things, faith and sin, right? So there's an indication that, okay, there was sin in this guy's life, and that's what was causing him to be paralyzed. So Jesus says, you are forgiven of your sin because he saw that he had faith. Does that make sense? So sometimes it's, there's a possible, the reason that we have uh, illness in our body that is chronic or that won't go away is because sometimes, possibly, there's unconfessed sin in our lives, right? There's some sin that we haven't dealt with. And as Christians, we, I'm sorry, but there's some sins out there that a lot of times we hold on to. And, and in my mind and talking with Randy, I was, I was bouncing things off Randy and we were talking and, and one of the big ones is unforgiveness, you know? That we're holding on to something from the past that we just will not let go. Yes, I've asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I've confessed my sins. I've done this, I've done that. But you know what I learned? Um, you know, Pastor David mentored me. And he t- after I got back from Iraq, he, I went through counseling with him and healing damaged emotions because I was really angry. And I found something out in that, those counseling appointments with him that unforgiveness is a sin. If I hold unforgiveness in my heart towards somebody else, I've sinned just as much as they've sinned, right? So a lot of times, especially when you're talking about sin, it, it has to deal with that sin that we're not letting go of, that unforgiveness in our heart that causes a root of bitterness, and that's a destructive thing, isn't it? Now, I'm not saying that's your circumstance. I'm saying that's a possibility, 
So let's take a look at this, the next one. In that section of Scripture, Jesus talked about faith, right? So, and then we're going to jump forward just a little bit to um, nine, Matthew chapter 9, 18. All right, so Jesus sits down with his disciples, and they have some discussion. And then afterwards, they, so in this next section of Scripture, then we jump forward just a little bit, and it says, while he was saying these things to them, talking to his disciples, a synagogue official came and bowed down before him and said, my daughter has just died. But come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. Jesus got up and began uh, to follow him. And he said to his disciples, or excuse me, and so did his disciples. And the woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his coat. And she was saying to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will get well. But Jesus, turning, seeing her, said, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. And Jesus came to the official's house and saw the flute player and the crowd in the noisy, in noisy disorder. He said, leave, for the girl is not dead, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him. Do you imagine walking up? And I mean, Delane was talking about put yourself in the in the, the picture last week. Wasn't that good? Put yourself in this picture. You're walking up into this this room or this house. People are mourning. The girl's dead. They know she's dead. She stopped breathing. She might even started turning purple. Right? They know that she's gone. And Jesus steps in and says, "Leave. She's not dead." They're going, "What are you talking about? She's dead." They start laughing and making fun. So he sent the crowd out. And he entered and took her by the hand. And the girl got up. And the news spread throughout the land. See, this, is, this was faith initiated here. The woman that touched the hem of his garment, it was her faith. That made her well. The synagogue teacher coming, coming before Jesus, it was his faith for his believing in Jesus that made his daughter well. So sometimes people might say, well, you just have to have enough faith. Right? Have you ever heard that? Maybe there's something wrong with my faith here. Is it? Do I have the sort of faith that, that God delights in? Maybe that's the reason that I'm not healed. Have you ever heard that before? Or have you ever questioned yourself about that before? Hmm. And then in verse 27, it says, As Jesus went on from there, Two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind man came to him and said to them, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes. It shall be done to you according to your faith. 
And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him throughout the land. And as they were going, a mute demon-possessed man was brought to him. After the demon was crying out, the mute man, or excuse me, cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowd was amazed and were saying, nothing like this has ever happened in Israel. But the Pharisees were saying, he cast out demons by the ruler of demons, right? Yeah. (laughs) We know Jesus had some words for them. (laughs) Like, come on. But see here, we have some indication that sickness and disease can be caused by demon possession, right? There's uh, some demonic influence there. But this next section of Scripture, right here in verse 35, I like it, it's a lot. It says, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages. Do you know that there was, in this area that they're talking about, there was over 400 cities and villages? That's pretty significant. I was kind of reading the commentaries and reading through all this. And sometimes we just miss that. Jesus went throughout all that region preaching and teaching to over 400 cities. That's pretty cool. But you know, there was one temple, but there were lots of synagogues. So Jesus didn't, you know, teach behind the scenes like in a house or behind closed doors. He was in the synagogue. He was declaring, he was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God in front of everybody teaching in the synagogues, teaching out in the open, and teaching wherever they would open the doors. And this next part, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Yes, there were some possible demonic things going on there. But this next one, lack of prayer. You just have to be prayed up, brother, to get that healing, right? You got to fast. You got to pray. Maybe you're just lacking a little prayer in your life. Because, you know, the Bible does say this uh, principle in James 4. This is one one of my favorite sections of scriptures. It says, what causes conflict among you but the hidden sin within your own heart? Right? And it goes on in verse 3, it says that, that the reason that we do not have is because we do not ask. But when we do ask, we ask with wrong motives. Right? So there's a possible reason. Maybe it's a lack of prayer or maybe it's, it's either that we haven't asked or maybe we didn't ask with the right motives. That's why you did, haven't been healed. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think of Job uh, when I think about that. Because he had three friends that came to him and gave him all kinds of theological perspectives on why he, <laughs> why he hadn't been healed or why he was suffering the way that he was suffering. And sometimes I feel like, you know, that's the case. You got people coming and telling us, about, you know, man, you got some unconfessed sin in your life, brother. Like, oh, man. Or maybe you just, you just hadn't prayed enough. Or your faith's like. But 
there's another one. Now, I'm, I've skipped, uh, we've already talked about the demonic thing, so you might want to skip that slide. This next one is lack of desire. Lack of desire. In John chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus asks a paralyzed man at the pool of Bethsaida. He asks him an interesting question. You ever read that section of scripture? So there's a pool, and it has five like entrance points, alcoves or whatever they call it, right? And an angel comes down and stirs the water. And the sick people and their loved ones will you know, put lower the sick people in the water and they will be healed, right? So Jesus comes upon this paralyzed man and he asks him, he asks him a really interesting question. What does he ask him? Do you want to be healed? And he's like, oh, yes, I want to be healed, but I don't have anybody to to get me down in there, right? I I can't get down in there fast enough because when I go down, then somebody else gets ahead of me. So there's some indication that, and this is really, I'm going to share something with you. I kind of went back and forth on sharing. But, you know, there is some indication that people don't want to be healed sometimes. Did you know that? That sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? But when you talk about chronic illness, what happens with chronic illness? A lot of times we develop patterns in our lives, right? And we we become comfortable in those patterns. And I just recently, not too long ago, went to a person's house. And and Pastor Bobby and I went, and we were going to pray for him, anoint him with oil, and pray for them to be healed to be delivered of something. And the man said that he didn't want us to pray for him to be healed. That was very curious to me. Why in the world would you not want to be healed? (laughs) Because he said, because I know God's doing something in me, and I think it's God's will for me to be sick right now. Got a problem. We prayed anyway. <laughs> like, come in. I don't care what you say. We're going to put some oil on your head. We're going to, in the name of Jesus, right? Because sometimes there is a lack of desire because we get comfortable and we actually even derive some of our identity from our disability or identity from our illness. Do you, and the question, do you want to be healed? Hmm. This next reason I really like, divine providence. We must consider that the mystery of divine providence in Ephesians 1, 9 through 10, you know, Paul talks about the mystery of the gospel, right? And as it goes with mysteries, You may not always be enlightened to his meaning at the time, but through it, God is calling us to something better. See, there, you know, Paul was, he suffered with something, right? He had a thorn in his flesh. And it says that it was like a demonic uh, Satan delivered it. Messenger from Satan, I think is what they say, right, Randy? That That delivered it. 
and there was some type of persecution or there was some type of, you know, different theologians believe different things. Maybe it was his eyesight. Maybe it was, a, uh, it was persecution, as Randy and I were talking about yesterday. But there was some indication that, that he had this thing going on. But at the same time, God wanted something greater for him. And he asked God three times to remove it from him. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient. All right, my grace is sufficient. And some people think that, and they exegete, they, they take from Scripture that it was God's will for Paul to be sick or to be afflicted. And I disagree with that. I don't believe that it's God's will for us to be sick at all. I believe it's God's will for us to be healed. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. But I do acknowledge that God will use circumstances to teach us something. Right? It's not God's will for you to be sick. That's just bad theology. It's God's will for you to be healed, but he will use circumstances to teach you and call you into something greater. How many people have all the mysteries of the kingdom figured out? What? You don't have all? But that scripture right there says that the mysteries were revealed to us as believers. Yeah, they're, they're revealed. Jesus Christ reveals them to us, but not all at once. Because then you'd be Jesus. Or you'd be God, right? Some of these mysteries are being worked out in us every single day, in every single trial, in every single situation that we're faced with. There is an indication that God will call us to something greater with a divine purpose. Not that his will is for us to be sick, but that we, but that we embrace something greater. So I'm going to share a little bit before we get to that better thing. When I was 12 years old, I was diagnosed with uh, ulcerative colitis. Some of you might know what that is. But it's basically uh, like your colon gets inflamed and then it it, uh, develops ulcers on it. And so by the time I was 12, I, I mean, I had gone through every kind of testing you could imagine. I mean, they thought I had parasites because I had gone to Mexico and drank the water. <laughs> you know, they thought I had a, a, a genetic thing that teenagers get, and I had to, like, go on this special diet where I could only eat green stuff and all this stuff. Right? They thought that I had appendicitis. I mean, they were going to take my appendix out one time. They, I went through all kinds of different testing because I was so young. They didn't, at that time, you know, man, to see ulcerative colitis in such a young kid, you know. I remember 12 years old, I slept in the bathroom more than I slept in my bed. I slept in the tub <laughs> just so I could be close to a, uh, the toilet. Okay. I missed over 35 days of, of school every year because I was sick. 
I missed a whole year of, of my high school education. Countless dances, countless games. Count, I mean, try out there wrestling, you know, good wrestling stance, and you're going, oh, oh, right? On the dance floor with my girl. You know, going to the bathroom 10, 12 times a day. Severe stomach. You know, I've had that disease for 30 years. And God's taught me some things through that. Because there's been times that, you know, it got really bad right before I moved here. It got really bad. In the hospital, going through Remicade treatments, you know, they were suppressing my immune system to the point where, you know, I mean, I could get sick. If anybody was sick around me, I could get sick, right? And they finally said, look, and that wasn't even working. They said, you've exhausted all medical treatment. You have to have your colon removed. And by that time, it had spread from the first section all the way through my entire colon, which was, it's called uh, pancolitis, right? Said, hey, you're just going to have to have your colon removed and have a bag the rest of your life, you know, or the pouch or whatever surgery you choose to have. So I said, okay, God, if that's what your will is. So this is the mystery being uh, revealed in my own life. So I moved here and got involved with the church, became the youth pastor, went to Romania, did all this stuff. And by the time that I went to the, the pre-op for them to do, do the surgery and have my colon removed, it went into remission. After 20 years, or whatever it was, yeah, about 20 years of ulcerative colitis, it went into remission. Flare-up after flare-up, constant, I mean, Constant doses of prednisone and sulfazolazine and mesalamine and azathioprine. And, I mean, all these different drugs and Remicade just destroying my immune system. Sick all the time. In and out of the hospital. God takes it away. For five years, I went symptom-free, medicine-free. And then it came back. Doctors can't figure it out. They're like, this doctor that used to be here in town, I went to him, and he's like, I've never heard of anything like that. And I've been treating ulcerative colitis since the 60s. And I got an opportunity to share my faith with him at that point. You know, in this last time that I was in the hospital, went up to Richmond, uh, Stu and Leah, you know, were up there, are up there in Richmond. They kind of looked after me. Uh, Jim and Rachel's son and daughter-in-law. <clears throat> and I was laying in that hospital bed. This was Thanksgiving, so this was recent. So I was laying in that hospital bed going, why haven't you healed me? Do I have some unconfessed sin in my heart? <laughs> Am I lacking in my faith? Have I not prayed enough? Have I not served enough? Have I not sacrificed enough? Why? And, and God did speak to me in that place. And it might not be what you want to hear. 
He said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient, son. The promise hasn't changed. They brought every manner of sickness and disease unto him, and they healed them all. It is God's will to heal. But he will allow circumstances and use circumstances to teach you something. And I, and I know what God's trying to teach me. That's the beautiful thing. He did reveal that to me. I don't know if I should say. But he definitely said something to me. He said, look, I'm calling you to a new level. It's not that you haven't prayed enough. It's not that you haven't done this enough or that enough or that enough. It's the fact that, that you have an area in your life that you need more discipline directly related with Joel's required. My eating habits, right? I love some McDonald's. Check my checkbook on my bank card, right? God says, you need to get control of your eating because you are undisciplined in that without a doubt. And I know that what, that's what, because if I am able, my, God wants to strengthen me to bear the weight of ministry and to bear the weight of things to come, then he's got to get me to a place where I'm able to do that. And if I'm undisciplined in my eating habits, then, you know, there's some area for sickness and things to get in there, right? Doesn't change the promise. God is going to heal me. But not yet. Until I'm ready. A lot of it has to do with me, right? Aligning myself with the will of God. Aligning myself with his plan and purpose. Not that I have unconfessed sin, which has been suggested to me before. But that God has something greater. And the two things that I have illustrated here in my sermon, that God has greater, is his grace, the sufficiency of God's grace, right? And the perseverance in prayer. God does want to heal you. It is his will to heal you. You need to pray like that. We know, we exegetically, we know that it is God's will. But there's this funny thing, and um, if you ever take a class in Bible college or something called Kingdom of God, they reveal something that just blew my mind. It's, it's uh, realized and unrealized eschatology. There's things about the kingdom of God that we have realized, and there are things about the kingdom of God that we haven't realized, right? It's not that they're not done, because when Jesus died on the cross, he said it is finished. He, went, he rose from the dead. He went to the right hand of the Father. He sat down, and he's sitting there. Everything is completed, correct? It's all, the work has been done. We just haven't fully realized it yet. It doesn't change the promise just because in, in my current circumstance, I haven't realized it yet. Does that make sense? Perseverance in prayer. This is the thing. 
I'm going to pray to the bitter end. I don't care. Because it really comes down to this. Is God's word true or isn't it? I am going to pray to the bitter end and I am going to believe in the promise that God has given me that by his stripes I am healed. That he healed every manner of sickness, disease that was brought to him without reservation. I believe that. Do you? It doesn't change the fact that we have that we haven't realized it yet doesn't change the fact that it's true. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for this morning, God. We thank you for the gift of healing. We thank you that we can stand firm Lord, that we can rise up in Christ and we can stand on something that's not going to pass away. The word of God shall not pass away. It's eternal. The kingdom of God is eternal. Just because I haven't realized the healing aspect of it in my body at this very present time does not change the fact that it is a promise that I can hold on to. Lord, we thank you for that promise. We thank you for delivering us. We thank you for setting us free in every aspect of our life. Your grace is sufficient. In the meantime, in the meantime, your grace is sufficient. Until I walk in the realization of that promise, your grace is sufficient. And I will persevere in, in prayer. I'll be like that little two-year-old knocking on, well, asking those questions. God, what about that? What about this? Can you hear me there? Can you hear me there? I'm going to bug the daylights out of you until I, can, until I get that healing. I'm going to petition. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do all those things until I realize the healing that you've promised me and that the will of God is revealed in my life. Even if it takes me to the end, to my last breath, and I realize it in heaven. Abraham, he didn't see the promise, the full promise. He saw his son being born, but he didn't see the nation God promised him. But it didn't change the promise. It didn't change the promise. We thank you. We're going to stand firm on that promise this morning. Can I have, uh, go ahead and stand with me. Can I have all the um, prayer teams, the elders? I want all the elders down front. The word of God says that if there is any sick among you, call for the elders, anoint them with oil, and they will be healed. Do you believe that this morning? That's what the word of God says. That's a promise. If there is any sick among us, let him come down here this morning. If anybody's sick, don't be shy. Come on down. 
because you're going to get prayed for. If you got something going on, this word's for you. You got a, a knee problem, you got a stomach problem, you got a back problem, you got anything that you got, come down here. Do you need to be delivered from something? Come down here. Lord, we thank you this morning. That our sins can be forgiven. I have a prayer, another prayer team. Got any more prayer teams out there? Fill this in right here. Forgiveness of sin is where we start. Salvation is where it begins. If you're here and you've never accepted Christ into your heart and you want to come down here and you want to say, Lord, I want you as my Savior. I want to surrender myself to you. Come down here. Because that's where it begins. You want to be healed of something, but yet you don't, you're not sure if you believe in God. Well, you've got to believe in God first. You have to have faith to be, and believe that your sins will be forgiven. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We just pray right now that your will, Lord God, to heal be done right now in the name of Jesus. We know that it is your will. So we declare right now in the name of Jesus that your will be done to heal every sickness, every disease in Jesus' name. Your word is true. We stand firm on that word. Lord, we will see it come to pass. We will not cease asking until it is done. We know that faith is the key. So we declare right now in the name of Jesus that your word is true and that we believe that you died on the cross not only for, the, for our sin but also for the healing of our body. You took those stripes upon your back so that we could be healed. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Deliver. Deliverance, God. Healing. Deliverance and healing. Right now. In the name of Jesus. Let's give him a praise. Let's give him a praise, people. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the work that you are doing here. And we just surrender our lives to you. We surrender our circumstance. Take us to the next level. Take us to that deeper thing that you have for us, God. And heal us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. These people are going to continue to minister. Uh, Taylor's going to continue to pr uh, play. If you need prayer, do not leave here today without coming down and letting one of these people pray for you. And I would love to meet you if you're a new time, uh, or excuse me, a first time guest. Meet you right back there at Connection Center. God bless. Have a great week.